Please join me in welcoming Nick Smith, cloud ecosystem strategist to the show. Nick, thanks for joining me. And Nick froze just like that. Sorry, Nick, you froze. Literally, I I didn't even hear you if you said anything. Uh, let me let me close out a few more tabs here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, this is gonna be like I I want this in the recording, Nick. Nick, Nick, where you at? <laughs> can you can you see me? Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. I'm just messing with you. All right. Yeah, that stinks, man. I don't know what is going on. Um, and I have the house all to myself today, so my internet was theoretically supposed to be better. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what everybody else is, thought. That's working from home today. They thought theirs is better, so they're gonna download <laughs> everything. <laughs> hmm. I'm sorry, man. Don't worry. You ready? Yep. <clears throat> three two one please join me in welcoming nick smith cloud ecosystem strategist to the show nick thanks for joining me great to be here john i'm very excited this is fantastic so nick today we have a very important topic not only are we going to get to know about who nick is but really why tech sales is the best career nobody wants and you're going to have to convince me on this topic because sales, tech, career. Yeah, I'm not sure it's my language. <laughs> well, I get where you're coming from, John, and I used to feel exactly the same way. And I was one of those guys who didn't want to go into sales. And so I hope we get get into this because it should be fun. Well, I'll tell you what, I have to do sales every day in my line of work. I'm not a salesperson yet. Somebody says you're good at it. And I said, maybe that's because I don't like it. I don't like <laughs> selling people things. I like solving problems and solutions. And if uh, yep. I ain't got it for you, don't worry about it. I know somebody who does. Yeah, no, I, you know, something you said there, uh, you like solving problems. That's what it's about, man. And I think um, there's a lot of misconceptions about sales. You know, you look in the culture, you see Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, you see all the stuff that, you know, Wolf of Wall Street, Boiler Room, and you think, oh, salespeople, they're all really sleazy and they're in it for themselves and they just want a commission. And I was one of those people. I thought that way. And, and then the other thing, hey, being in the tech world, everybody talks about STEM and how great the pay is. And now you're telling me, wait a second, part of my compensation is based on not guaranteed money. Like that sounds really scary. So I, I totally hear everything you're saying. I think that's all valid, but uh, there's a totally different side to that story that I hope we have a chance to get into. All right. Well, speaking of that, let's get into things. Let's understand who Nick is. Nick, give everybody a little bit of backstory on yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, grew up in a non-structured environment, joined the Navy right out of high school. Um, and then pretty much since then, I, I did some technical roles. Uh, I was good enough to be technical didn't enjoy it very much. I was always more interested in people than, you know, ones and zeros. And over time, I found my way into project management. And I was like, wow, you know, the more time I spend with my customers, the higher likelihood my project is going to be successful. And then I realized like, okay, well, wait a second. I'm just asking my customer a bunch of questions. I'm helping them solve a problem. And I saw what my sales team was doing. I was like, there's a lot of overlap here. And so I I took the leap of faith and I went into sales and I've never looked back and I absolutely love it. It's the best job in the world. And uh, I mean, there's so much money to be made in tech sales. I'm making more than I ever dreamed I, I would. 
Um, I'm helping people every day. I get to hear their stories. I get to, you know, connect with new people. I get to give whether or not I get a sale out of that. And, and it just feels really good. Nick, you joined the military. You said the Navy, right? Yeah, that's right. How long were you in the Navy? I did four years. Yep. Four years. Now, why did you join the Navy? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the 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 environment where I grew up, it was it was kind of it wasn't great, right? <laughs> so uh, I was always told that I wasn't going to amount to anything. Uh, I lived in like I even suffered periods of homelessness. Uh, I was told that college was not an option for me. I was you know pretty much just told like, hey just go get a job as like a mailman or something like that was the, that was the aspiration. Right. Uh, and so I didn't know what I was going to do. I had no direction, no guidance. And I literally remember talking to a recruiter and this is going to sound silly, but I saw the crease in his, in his dress uniform, like the crease in the pants. And I was like, wow, like that guy's really squared away. I've never seen anybody even look like that before. Right. And he was telling me about his whole life and how he got to go see the world and um, that for him, military service, you know, service was the key word in there and how he was, you know, accomplishing a mission. And so it was really attractive. Um, and then also, you know, they, they had me take a practice test for the ASFAB and they were like, hey, like, you're actually kind of smart. Like you could do some cool things. And that was the first time anybody had ever told me anything like that. And so... Now I have someone who's pouring into me when everybody else had always told me, hey, you're not really worth a whole lot. So I kind of got sucked into it. And yeah, the rest is history. How old were you when you joined the military? Uh, I signed up when I was 18, but there was kind of a delayed entry. So I think I was 19 by the time I actually hit boot camp. So you... Um... You didn't grow up in the most structured household uh, and you decided at 18 that, you know, the military was the place for you. You you liked uh, what you saw, what you heard and wanted to strive towards you. Before we jump into why tech sales, because everything that you mentioned in the beginning of this, yeah, I, everybody believes that about sales uh, and the structure on it. And I want you to demystify yep. some of those things. And I want you to encourage everybody that sales is really not what you think it is. Uh, maybe it's a career path for some. But uh, how are you in high school? How were your grades in high school? I mean, they were they were decent. Um, they weren't amazing. But here's the thing. I never applied myself. Because when you're told you're not you're not even allowed to go to college, right? Like that, that just wasn't the plan. <laughs> and so I didn't apply myself at all. I literally, you know, there was no reason to push myself to to strive for anything because all that was doing was, you know, risking failure. And failure was this big, scary word and you don't want to fail. And so I was sandbagging life, right? Like I, I never took a chance on anything up to that point because anytime you ever failed, okay, now you're going to hear about it and you might get your, your butt whooped over failing. Um, and so it was just easy to, I'm just going to show up and do the absolute bare minimum and sit in the back of the class and just be invisible. I don't want to do bad enough that I'm in trouble over doing bad, but I don't want to do good enough that, that I'm getting attention for that either. 
I'm just going to be as average as humanly possible. That was my strategy growing up. Uh, I'll tell you what, a lot of people look at that as a, a typical strategy, right? So they're told they can't do well, they can't do, they can't drive more. And uh, I'm going to touch on something in a second. And you kind of remind me of me in this aspect. Hmm. Uh, I didn't have as, as, as hard as a you know household life that you have kind of shared with us. But growing up, the structure and everything wasn't there to do well. So it kind of resonates with me. Uh, I almost went into the military. Uh, so I know where you're thinking about like, hey, I don't know what I want to do in my life. Nobody's out there and I'm, I'm going in there. So uh, you went into the Navy. What was your role there? Yeah, uh, I was actually a nuclear machinist's mate on a, on a submarine. So Okay, I you got me intrigued. What do you do? <laughs> yeah, I, I worked on reactor systems in an engine room. Um, it's actually one of the most challenging academic programs in the enlisted military. Uh, which was a surprise, you know, like, hey, I, I tested way better than I thought. Um, and so even when I, I joined, they, they give you that test and they're like, hey, based on this, uh, we want you to be a nuke. And we're not going to even tell you about other options because we want you to do this. It's a hard billet to fill. Right. And so now you have two choices or, you know, the choice between two things. You can either go on a submarine because all of our submarines are nuclear powered since the 50s, or you can go on a carrier. And which of those do you want to do? And I, again, I had no idea what I was doing. So I was like, I, I don't know. How do you even make that decision? And that's when they start selling you on, oh, well, you're going to get submarine pay. And, you know, there's one galley on a submarine. And so you're eating the same food as the captain. And they make it sound really cool, you know. And so I decided to go submarine service. And uh, yeah, man, and serving in the in a tin can with 150 smelly dudes and <laughs> recirculating air. You create your own oxygen. So it was a fun time. <laughs> I'm sure we could dive into that as a separate story <laughs> in yeah. itself. In fact, we might have to do another one on just being in the submarine with 150 smelly people, but we're going to move on a little bit into the tech sales portion. And this seems like a good time to jump in and talk about today's sponsor, Veeam. How would you like to own control and protect your data in any cloud, anywhere, including AWS? Veeam Backup for AWS is a native solution to protect all of your AWS data. It's fully automated, set it, forget it, within one platform, centrally managed. Veeam Backup for AWS is a robust solution from snapshots, replication, full recovery within AWS, granular file recovery, and including recover outside of AWS. Implement Veeam Backup for AWS today before you find out that your current solution isn't working. Now, how about we get you back to that podcast? But um, so after the Navy, uh, you know, I didn't have a home to go back to. So the cool thing, though, is the military, they have uh, something called TAP, Transition Assistance Program. So when you get out, they have a bunch of people come out on base and they teach you how to write a, a resume. They teach you how to, you know, do a job interview. And then at the end of that program, they actually have a bunch of recruiters come out and they have jobs, you know, field service technicians, uh, merchant marines. So the cool thing was they set me up to have a place to go. And I was like, I don't have an apartment. I don't have anywhere to go. And I had this opportunity to interview for a 100% travel job, field service technician. I was like, hey, that sounds kind of cool. I'm used to living out of a suitcase. Why not? 
you know? And so I basically became a high functioning homeless person. Like I didn't have an address, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I had a, what I, whatever place I was working at, they'd put me in a hotel and, you know, gave me per diem and all that stuff. And so I did that for about a year and, uh, it was, it was fun, but after a while it got kind of depressing. You have no roots, you have no family, you have no friends, you know, you're, you're in Springfield, Illinois for three days and now you hop on a plane and you're in, you know, Mankato somewhere or you know, these little towns that no one's ever heard of. And so I was in my young twenties at that point and wanted to, you know, meet a girl and establish a family. So I eventually was on a job in Ohio and got a phone call from a recruiter. They said, hey, we saw your resume. Uh, we'd like you to interview for this position. I was like, well, cool. I'm actually in Ohio right now. You don't even have to fly me out. I can drive out and, and interview for this. Got the job. Uh, literally went out, you know, and, and found and I was renting out a basement <laughs> with like three other dudes to just save on costs. It's like, I don't know if this is going to work out, but. I quit that field service job. I took this new job and then I met my wife here in Cincinnati. And so now that's, that's why I have roots in Cincinnati nowadays. Okay. So from the field service technician, uh, the job role that you were mentioning and talking about, what was it? Yeah. Uh, it was, it was sales support actually. So it was still in the manufacturing realm, but it was I was kind of like the guy who would do the analysis of someone's production. So let's say they're making a bunch of boxes on a panel bender and a punch press and a laser machine. They we'd sell like a whole assembly line. I was the the almost like the solutions engineer, the solutions architect who would take all of that inputs and then figure out this is how much money it's going to save you on our equipment versus what you're doing today. So I wasn't really selling, but I was integral to that part of the team. You were supporting the salesperson yeah. on what they were selling and basically showing the value of purchasing the new versus running it the existing way. Correct. Correct. All right. So after your sales support role, so I, just to recap, everybody, we're talking about how awesome sales is. Well, Nick is talking about sales and he's trying to convince me how tech sales is the way to be awesome. I have been in a pre-sale role, a pre-sale engineering role where it's still highly technical and you are helping the sales. And we, and in the beginning, Nick was saying like the movies portrayed all wrong. The salespeople are not sleazy people. There probably are some out there, but in actuality, most salespeople, the ones who you value the most will present you with a solution and say, maybe you don't need to buy now or later, but you also, you, you gain their trust and they want to solve the problem. And I think he, I think what Nick's trying to say in this is that just give them a chance that, and understand that they're not trying to sell you crap. Some might, but anyway, you, you want to value that. Correct me if I'm wrong, Nick. Um, I don't, well, I guess I'll put it to you this way. The thing that I think a lot of salespeople do wrong, there are a lot of people when they're first learning, they don't know exactly what's going to work for them. And so a lot of them get taught the wrong thing, which is to go out and just pitch people right out of the gate. And they don't necessarily get taught how to be empathetic or how to serve others first. Right. And so sales does in many 
instances still have a high turnover rate. And it, it still has a lot of those things that we're talking about that the reason people don't like it, it's still out there. I'm not saying that you know sales is perfect, but I'm saying there's a different way of doing it. You don't have to buy into the traditional methodology. And in fact, that I think is what actually separated me when I started getting good at sales is I didn't like the feeling of having to pick up the phone and call somebody and pitch them right out of the gate. I didn't like having to try and sell them a product even when I did enough discovery to know, hmm, I don't really know that this is a fit for them, but I've got a boss here that's telling me to cram it down their throat anyway. It didn't feel ethically right. And so I just decided, I made a choice. I'm not going to do that anymore. Here's what I'm going to do. And I had no, I, I, I wasn't allowed to fail. I left a really high paying project management job. Oh, wait, wait a second. Actually, before you jump into leaving that, let's let's back step for a second. You were at the field service position. Yep. And then you were at the sales support. Was yep. the project manager position right after the sales support? Yeah. So Okay, okay. That, now I we're closing just, the loop here. Yeah. You went to a project management. What why project management? Uh, yeah, you know, I was just trying, I was young and trying to move up the ladder and project management seemed like a good way to, you know, Hey, project managers make a good amount of money and, uh, they have people that kind of report to them in a dotted line basis. And I was trying to go like the management route and I, I enjoyed it. Um, but yeah. <laughs> and, and then too, I was young enough at that point, I was working at a company where, you weren't even really allowed to go into sales in the manufacturing industry until you had gray hair, right? Uh, all of our salespeople at that company were, you know, geez, these guys were in their 50s and had been in the industry for forever, you know, and they they were almost like rock stars, but I was I was too green and too junior and that wasn't a path for me. It was more in manufacturing before I made it into tech, right? Um, and so I didn't think that I could be an actual salesperson until I made it into tech. And now I'm like, oh, okay, now there's actually a bunch of young people in sales. And I, that's a, that's a new path that was opened up for me. All right. Let's talk about from project management. Where did you go? What was your next step? Yeah. Um, project management was the last thing I did before I became a, a quota carrying salesperson. Right. Okay, a quota carrying salesperson, it's a scary thought, right? Excuse me, I still have it to this day where you have a quota to meet and if you don't meet that, no paycheck, right? Yep. I mean, like you're, you're not making that quota, you don't, you're not pulling it in. Well, you have, oh, wait, what uh -oh. do you mean? So, so here's the thing. There's a big difference between companies that pay you only commissions and companies that give you a base plus commission. And so uh, I don't think I would have found my way into sales were it not for the fact that the very first sales job I had opened up to me, I had an established relationship there. It was a company that had done consulting work at the company I was working at. And I had you know gone to some networking lunches and stuff like that. And I was actually trying to get into a consulting role at this company, but they didn't have that open. Instead, they had a sales position open. And I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll do sales and that'll kind of be my way into consulting. 
Um, oh, so you you picked sales, thinking that hopefully you'd get into the yeah. I was really thinking in, of it as it was a, a way into stone. the company. That's right. Um, and so I took this job in sales, and I even remember interviewing. Uh, my boss's boss looked at me. He's like, "You've never really sold anything before. You've never carried a quota before. Are you sure that you want to do this?" Because you know, I've never seen someone come from like project management and want to go in this direction. You know, and he was very skeptical of me. And I was like, yeah, I want to give it a shot. I believe in myself. And and they had offered, you know, part of the offer was there was a base. And the base was less than I was making. But I was like, I think I can live off of that. And I want to prove to myself that I can do this, you know. Um, and I had a the guy I was going to report to, you know, I was kind of an underdog candidate. But I was like, what can I do to convince you? that I'm, I'm capable of doing this job. And so he told me about a sales book. He's like, uh, if you can read this sales book, you know, in two days, cause there's two days between now and when you meet with, you know, my boss, then yeah, that'll, that'll prove to me that you're going to do it. I was like, done, <laughs> bought it, bought the audio book, bought the book, read through it. You know, and I was like already like emailing him back and forth. I'm like, hey, man, I really like this chapter and et cetera, et cetera. You know, it seems like not that big of a deal, but um, I don't think he expected me to read the book. I think he was like trying to give it to me as like, you know, you're going to be too lazy to read this book and then I won't have to deal with you anymore. But I was serious. And so I did it. And yeah, <laughs> he he then advocated for me. So he challenged you to read a sales book. And yeah. from that, he said, listen, if you do this, I'll advocate for you and that'll prove it. I, I think it's a huge chance for him to take on somebody that's green that's yeah. never done sales before, right? Yeah. And doing so, he, he must have seen some value in you, even in the meeting or around it, to give you this challenge to be like, you know what? It could work out. But before I invest any time, let's see if he does this one challenge. First of all, the audio book that you got, did you like it? Yeah, it was really good. Um, and actually, you could say it was broader than just sales. It was Never Split the Difference by Chris Boss. Uh, I, I don't know if you're familiar with it. FBI negotiator guy. Yep. Um, but fantastic book. Absolutely love it. Read it multiple times now, and I still go back to it today. Nice. All right. So your manager took a chance on you. You're hired. All right. And this is technical sales, correct? Yep, it is. All right. Uh, help me understand when you, when somebody's listening to this and everybody, we're talking about why technical sales is awesome. Actually, I'm just paraphrasing a little bit. Nick is saying it's awesome. He's still selling me on the idea that it's awesome. I'm warming up to him just a little bit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so everybody, we're talking with Nick Smith. He's a cloud ecosystem strategist around technical sales. And our whole topic is why tech sales is the best career nobody wants. Now, before you hang up, stop listening. You got to listen just a little bit more because... What is technical sales versus regular sales, Nick? Yeah, um, that's a great question. So I would say technical sales is when the product you're selling and maybe even the audience you're selling to is a bit technical. So whether it's software or whether it's uh, machinery or hardware or you know anything like that, and you might be selling into an IT manager or a chief technology officer, chief information officer, 
a CISO, Chief Information Security Officer. So it's technical in nature. Many times they want people to have technical backgrounds or technical education, right? Uh, so I benefited from the fact that I had learned some technical things in the Navy. I ended up getting an associate's degree in engineering, uh, did my bachelor's in business. And so I had a, I had a just enough technical know-how to be dangerous. I wasn't, you know, an engineer, but I could speak engineering when I needed to, and I could translate it into business value. And so that's what technical sales is, as opposed to maybe more traditional sales. People might think of, you know, insurance or financial solutions, or there's, you know, millions of other things that you could potentially be selling that might be less technical in nature. Nick, did you say you have a bachelor's too? Uh, yeah, I've actually got uh, uh, three degrees, uh, working on a fourth one right now. So wait a uh, second, wait a second, Nick, Nick, you started out, uh, how your, your life started out going mm -hmm. from, you know, the unstructured to military, yep. you and saying that your college is not for you, you're not going to end an amount to much. Uh, three, working on your fourth degree, come from military, you're now in technical sales. I have a question for you and I'm going to wait to the end because there's more about the technical sales that I want to understand. But uh, by the way, congratulations on all Thanks. that accomplishment. Uh, that is a lot of hard work. Nobody who's ever like kind of go went for their um, degree at all. It's a lot of time and effort you have to put in. And especially when you're working a full-time job. Yep. So, Nick, technical sales, you're in this role. How you doing? I sucked. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one way to put it, right? Why did you suck? Um, I way underestimated how difficult it was going to be. And I, I don't know if I told you this, John. Uh, so this guy, he takes a chance on me. He hires me. And this is at a really tiny company. And it's me this sales manager who'd been there two months and we have another sales guy who's been there a couple of years. He's not performing exceptionally well. And so I'm there in my very first week expecting I'm going to get all sorts of training and everything. Not so much. It's that was going to be one of my questions. Like how yeah. did you learn? Yeah, so not so much. So literally at the end of week one, I see this other sales guy with his briefcase walking out the door I'm like, hey, you know, I'll, I'll see you next week. And he just kind of grunts at me. My my manager walks up. As soon as he walks out the door, he's like, yeah, t today was his last day. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a second. What? So it's just me and you? <laughs> and we have to I'll now see you next week. And he's like, you. Mm, <laughs> yeah. And so now I'm like, uh-oh, what am I going to tell my wife? Because I've got uh, a wife and a kid and a mortgage and I left this very secure job to take less money as a base, plus, you know, the risk of getting commission. And so I was like, oh, crap. Now I have to make this work. Like, there is no going back. <laughs> right? So I have to make this work. And it was like beating my head on the, the keyboard for the first three months. I had no idea what the hell I was doing. And um, I think... Literally the very first sale I made, it was a factory across the street from me. 
<laughs> and I think they've bought from me purely out of pity because I kept knocking on their door and showing up and being like, Hey, you know, like, Hey, remember me? I'm your friendly neighborhood right. over here. <laughs> They're like, fine, we'll give you like a tiny little project and then will you please leave us alone? Right. <laughs> but after that very first sale, you get a high, you get this, mm -hmm. it's like, it's addictive. Right. And you're like, wow, that, that was awesome. I think I can actually start to do this. Now, prior to being in sales, I had learned a lot about lean and Six Sigma and continuous improvement. And so I was just iterating because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. You know, they basically handed me a phone book and they were like, figure it out. Right. <laughs> um, but once I got that first sale, I was like, OK, I have some lessons learned from this first sale. And then now what can I do for my next sale? And so with every additional sale, I was trying to improve my sales process. And then we eventually hired more and more salespeople. A lot of these guys had 10, 20 years of sales experience. And, and yet I went from being like the worst guy, you know, sold nothing in three months to now all of a sudden I was breaking all these sales records and I was outselling people who'd been selling for 10, 20 years. And I was even kind of scratching my head, like, is this real? Am I just really lucky? Like, what's the difference here? Um, and I didn't really know, but but my hypothesis was, well, I'm continuing to iterate on my process. I'm continuing to improve over time. And so I'm doing things differently. I'm not buying into the old school Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, like pitch out of the gate model that all these other guys are doing. I just learned... I'm going to try and be empathetic and serve others first and try and make it worth their time to talk to me, whether or not I sell anything to them. And if I can provide enough value to them, they're going to like me and they're going to want to buy from me. You know, it took a long time to get to that point. But when I did that, sales became really easy. So Nick, let me give you an example of something I've learned being in the sales and not by choice. Well, I guess by choice, if you want to look at it. Uh, so I sell to a technical audience and a lot of my customers that I deal with, and I've learned this in the last couple of months. Uh, originally, when you start off on your own, it's like, I need to make this sale, right? And now when I work with any of my customers, clients, potentials, they're like, uh, yeah, let's do this. I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a second why what is the value you're looking to get mm -hmm. from it and well we want to get this yeah well th that won't provide you the value you're looking for and in fact i think right now where you're at in a company wise we should wait another month or two before we push this there's x y and z coming up we should invest in those versus this and they're like wait a second i want to give you money yes you want to give me money but it's not good for you in the long run right now because of the value that's going to be in a, and it's uh, it, they're like wow, he really does want to solve my problem. And the problem that I want to solve versus, you know, the sell that others want to do is that I'm there for my customers, my clients. And I understand their network, their people that I talk to daily. I just don't want a once and done type relationship. I, and in fact, if I sell to them once in 10 years, who cares? I have a long-term relation with them and word of mouth grows faster mm -hmm. than that one sale. Uh, there's a word that's used in the financial industry, and it's not applied to other types of sales traditionally, but I really like this word, and this is how I run things. Fiduciary. 
And the word fiduciary means you're putting your client's best interests first, right? And so- Isn't that like a that, lawyer term? <laughs> I, I I hear it a lot when you're talking, you know, like certified financial planners and, you know, those kinds of folks. But um, I like that word a lot. And I think, you know, even like, hey, shareholders have a fiduciary responsibility or, or I guess board members have a fiduciary responsibility yeah. to their shareholders, right? Um, and that's the way what you're talking about. That's what that is. It's putting the client's interest first. And it's so powerful when you say, hey, based on what you have going on, I've looked at your factory, I've looked at your plant, I've, I've, I can understand what you're doing, and I know that you want to do this, but here's why you shouldn't do that today, because you haven't fixed this other problem over here that's really big, and guess what? If, if I give you this tool, now I'm enabling this problem and making it worse. So my recommendation is go fix this problem first, and then let's come back and chat three months from now. The amount of trust that you build doing that is tremendous. Because most other salespeople are going to say, hey, great, you're a fit. Buy my stuff today, right? And even if you're not a fit, some of them are going to try and cram it down your throat. And so I love where you're coming from. And it also goes back to abundance versus scarcity mindset. You know, if you're so worried that there's scarcity, there's not enough business out there, you're going to have commission breath and commission breath stinks and nobody wants to work with you. But if you have an abundance mindset and you're like, hey, there's plenty of business out here, there's plenty of market, uh, you know, enough to go around. You don't have to make that one sale and you can do what's in the best interest of your client because you you know, hey, I've got plenty of other accounts that I can talk to. A full pipeline solves all of your problems. I, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I think I've heard so many managers say that, you know what, you've got issues. You're not happy. You, you know what, you can't afford that. You know what solves this problem? A full pipeline. So Nick, Let's dive in a little bit. We've been talking, you know, most of this show, obviously, about you and growing up and going through a lot of transitions. And now you're in tech sales somewhere you didn't think you would be. What's your advice for somebody, one, that wants to, okay, let's just say, I don't want to get into tech sales, but there's no other job out there. I'm not sure I would like it because I think sales managers are, I want to say you use the word crooks, but I, I'm just not trusting the sales manager. Should I even attempt it? Should I be that anomaly like you? I think the smartest thing to do whenever you're making any career transition is talk to people in the role that you think you want to explore, right? So if you're open to the idea of technical sales. Don't make a bunch of assumptions. Don't look at what Hollywood is selling because they're just trying to sell you a movie ticket, right? Um, talk to somebody who actually does the job and, and talk to more than just that one person. Talk to multiple people who are doing it and ask them, you know, what's your experience like? Do you like it? Do you dislike it? What do you like about it? What don't you like about it? How did you get into it, right? Have those kinds of conversations and you're going to hear different perspectives from different people, and it's going to be very enlightening to you. And no matter what job you're doing, I think having those conversations with people who are already doing it today, that's like the most important thing you can do because one, you're going to get education from it, but then two, 
if you do it well, and those people now like you because of, you've shown an inquisitive nature, they could even potentially be your foot in the door. Um, now, my path, uh, that's pretty much what happened to me. I was in project management. I was kind of curious about the sales thing. I started talking to people at this other company. I'm like, hey, what do you like about it? And that's exactly what happened. I had that foot in the door who pulled me in and said, hey, this guy, you know, he's worked with us over at this other company. He's been really involved in our projects. He seems to get what it is that we do. He's very inquisitive. He seems really ready to be coached. So yeah, I think we can take a chance on him, right? Versus if I had just applied to the, uh, you know, the black abyss, which is Indeed or LinkedIn jobs or whatever, you know, they, they have an applicant tracking system, ATS. I also like to call it the applicant torture system. <laughs> You're never going to hear back from that. You need a you need someone who's in the company to pull your resume forward and advocate for you. That's how you're going to get an interview. I, I know originally probably a year ago when I was using LinkedIn for, you know, open to work type thing. I don't think I heard back. I might've been 50. I think I heard back from one mm -hmm. in it and it was like a, a startup. So my applicant was pulled, you know, relatively through a small pile, but I agree with you. All right, so Nick, let me let me give you a hypothetical question where I am I'm new. I, I think I want sales, right? I see all these flashy stuff all the sales guys are doing. They're out buying this, they got all that. You know, do I do, like is that why I wanted? Do you recommend that I go forward to it just because I, I I think I could do really good at it? Or do you think I should work at a company and follow around maybe some of the sales guys and see the, how they're doing it before you know pursuing that interest? Your question, were you asking how to break into sales or once, you're, once you've broken into sales, how to be successful? That I, I was a little well, Let's ask, actually answer both those questions. <laughs> how do okay. I break in and how do I become successful? Yeah, so breaking in, there's a number of different ways to do it. A lot of people, their entry level role into sales is an SDR or a BDR. And many different companies, you don't have to have a degree. You don't have to have a, a great background. You really just need that person on the inside who believes in you, who thinks you can do the job. And if you can tailor your resume, tailor your personal brand to, hey, I think I could be good at sales. You know, that's how you could do it. There's great programs out there. Bravado has Tech Sales U. Uh, there's a company called Aspireship that has a Tech Sales Bootcamp. There's all these things out there and they're very cheap. And I wouldn't do anything where you have a income share agreement where you have to say, hey, you know, help me find this job and I'm going to give you 15% of my income. I think that's exploitative. But there are boot camps out there where they will teach you how to sell. You go through the program. You have to pass a final exam. You do a role play. That's like what Aspireship does. And at the end of that, you're in their employer network. If they place you at a company, that company pays them a placement fee, which tends to be less than if they were going through a recruiter. So it's a win-win-win, right? It's a win for the candidate. They don't have to spend a ton of money to get this training right? It's a win for Aspireship because they get their placement fee for, you know, finding the candidate. And it's a win for the company because now they have a, they have a new employee. So that's a great way of breaking into sales. 
once you get there, be hungry. Make sure that you're educating yourself. Read those sales books. Talk to the people who are the top performers. And don't just talk to the top performers at your own company. Talk to the top performers at all the other companies, right? Work on your network because I guarantee if you can talk to the top performer at a competitor, you're going to learn a lot of stuff from them or even someone who's adjacent to you. If you're talking to top salespeople all the time, Jim Rohn has a great quote. You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And I believe I in that quote. Absolutely believe that. I do. Um, go hang out with those people. Ask them the questions. Try and model what it is that they're doing. And you're going to get good eventually, right? It's it's just a matter of time. You have to execute, but learn from them and, and mirror what it is that they're doing. So Nick, before I wrap things up, I have an observation that I'd like to share with you. And then I have two, two questions for you. My observation is that you're not a typical tech salesperson. And the reason I say that is as maybe your potential customer, right? Somebody that you're talking to about something, I can see that you're not out to sell me anything, that you're truly out to solve a problem. I can get that from your personality from just speaking with you over the last hour that it's not about money to you. It's about the solution and the long-term networking and engagement that you're looking for and the trust that you're building. Do I, am I on Mark? I Hey, I'm very grateful that you said all of those things. And I think I would agree with you. <laughs> all right. The re, and, and I follow you on LinkedIn and social media and I follow some of the things and I read people's comments about the person I know that is going to be joining my podcast, right? I want to know more about them. I want to know what people think about them. Your personality speaks for yourself. So it, it comes through and that's why people will want to buy from you, not from just to give you money, but they trust you automatically and that's how it comes across. So that's my observation. Thank you. I appreciate it. I was, um, I was pausing there, making sure you didn't freeze at all or anything. <laughs> <laughs> so now my final two questions, and I'm going to save this, the, my, my main question for last is I'm going to leave the opening here is before we close things up, is there anything you'd like to leave with the audience with regards to not only maybe tech sales, but going towards it, your experience, the experience that you went through and endured, but in general, for somebody who wants to get into tech sales. Yeah, don't give up. Uh, don't give up. Absolutely. And be open-minded, right? Um, people hear sales and they recoil. And I got to tell you, there's so many benefits that we didn't even get the chance to cover today. Flexible work. You can work from home. Um, a lot of these tech companies that need salespeople, they've got great benefits, right? Healthcare, the dental, like all that stuff. You know, some of these companies, they're giving you shares. They're giving you equity in a startup on day one. That's pretty cool. Um, the growth potential, the fact that you can come in and if you're able to generate a lot of revenue, you better believe executives are going to know your name, right? So you can advance very quickly in tech sales and make a great career. Um, I mean, so there's just a lot there and be open-minded to it. It's not for everybody, but... If you think it might be for you, maybe explore it a little bit and then don't give up. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say that and then always continue to iterate, right? Just because someone else does it one way or just because you've always done it one way, right? That that doesn't mean it's the way it should be done. It Have a hypothesis. Plan on how you could make things better 
run an experiment, you know, and then study the results and figure out how you can act next. You know, plan, do, study, act. Continue to iterate on your process and you're going to get better. I think iteration is key because, and I'm going to touch on it with my last comment, uh, because you were in sales and you were the only person along with your boss and you were there for three months and now you were top seller and you started to grow and the company grew and added more sales. I don't think you would have been able to do that if you didn't change and continuously improve your methodology throughout it. Remember this was new, so you were still learning as it goes. And if I think if you stuck with your current plan, you would still be there and not where you are now or out of a job. <laughs> so my last comment and my last question for you, do you think, or do you feel that your past plays a role in your future and you are who you are today because of what you went through. And that has always made you continue to strive and do more. Um, yes. So I think some of the best people I've ever run into have, have gone through adversity, right? And I think adversity forges your character. Um, because if you've gone through a lot, you know, something I've noticed about myself, I have a, I crave achievement because growing up, I never had somebody saying, Hey man, I'm proud of you. You did a great job. And so I felt like I had this big chip on my shoulder that I had to go prove to the world that I was worth something. And so a lot of the things that I did, it was because people told me you're, you can't, right. You can't go to college. Oh yeah. Three degrees later. Right. <laughs> I'm going to you show you. You can't be in sales. You don't have any experience. Oh, yeah? Let me prove it to you. You can't do this. So um, that was fuel for me. And, you know, some could maybe even argue that's a little unhealthy. But guess what? I like that. <laughs> um, I don't think it's unhealthy. I know other people are like, oh, you have nothing to prove to anybody else. Nothing to prove it. You're not going and actually, actually proving it to anybody else. But it's still in you mentally. Mm -hmm. uh, regardless of how long, oh, you should let the past go. No, the past defines me and allows me to achieve and do what I want. Uh, Nick, I'll, I'll give you an example. I didn't grow up where we had a stable household. We moved around a lot. We had an apartment. My parents didn't have stable jobs. They couldn't afford for three kids. And being able to reverse that and do all this stuff for my family makes me feel that I am doing everything that I should be and want to do and not have my family or my kids grow up like I did. Mm -hmm. And that strives me to do more. There's nothing wrong. My past put me into where my present is that I don't want to be where my past. So, and I think it helps us. I, I totally agree. Yeah. I didn't even mention I had to, you know, they didn't even t tell me I was allowed in the Navy because I had to lose 90 pounds to get in. So Every single one of those things that I've, uh, the things I'm most proud of accomplishing, it was always when t somebody told me I can't. Yep. And, um, you know, so I actually, I look for those things. What are the things that people are going to tell me I can't do? And that's the thing I want to try next. <laughs> so Nick, I'm going to say that you can't be on this podcast again because <laughs> we have to end things now. And there's a lot more stuff that has to go on. <laughs> How do you like that? 
All right. Well, let's let's try and prove you wrong there, John. But thank you very much for having me. This has been a blast. And I hope it was uh, of some value to some of your listeners. You know what? Uh, if I just if we just touch on one listener, it's great because we give them the value and know that you can go through any type of adversity, but also understanding that we were talking about why is tech sales awesome and the greatest? Well, Nick has changed me a little bit, and I'll admit that tech sales is interesting as long as you come from it from a customer perspective and not a dollar amount. So I find a lot of value in it. Nick, thank you so much for your time. This has been great. Thank you very much, John. All right, everybody. Nick Smith, cloud ecosystem strategist. And my name's John Meyer. Thank you for watching the John Meyer podcast. Don't forget to hit that like, subscribe, and notify because guess what? As always, we're out of here. Thank you